<laughs> so we begin? Yes. Welcome to The 12th Story, a book discussion podcast produced by Cincinnati's Mercantile Library, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss. The Mercantile Library is 180 plus years old and is the literary center of Cincinnati. Throughout the year, the Mercantile Library hosts authors and speakers, book discussion groups, and other civic events. We are a working library with more than 90,000 books available to members. We're located at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and online at mercantillibrary.com. And we always welcome new members and guests. Joining us today in the lecture hall on the 12th story of the Mercantile Building are Gabrielle Blocher. Hi. Cedric Rose. Good afternoon slash evening, Brendan. And Chris Messick. Hello, Brendan. And I'm Brendan Call, and today is our official one-year anniversary podcast. Yeah. Yay! Hey, hey, here, here. I wish you could hear us clinking our glasses. Uh, but we've been doing the 12th story now for a year. This is episode 38-ish, mm-hmm. and um, we're really excited, but, but in... Um, uh, we, we actually don't have a book to discuss today, so we're going to do one of our fun pop culture podcasts. What are you listening to? What are you watching on TV? What are you talking about? What are you reading? Etc. And uh, I know we have a whole list of things to talk about, but um, let's start in the complete opposite of where we are. Let's start on the television. And uh, what are you what are you watching right now? Um, well, we I uh, this is Gabby. We just finished um, BoJack Horseman, and Brendan reminded me, I definitely have spoken about this show before on, uh, on a previ- previous podcast. Also, we talked before this, and nobody else in the room watched, this, uh, watched or has, has watched that show, so um, no one's going to have anything to add to me, <laughs> but um, it's just amazing. I can't. I, it's the, it's the, I'm a, I have watched a lot of television. I love a lot of television. It's my favorite show because it's a perfect mix of hilarity and deep, deep jokes and um, a deep exploration of like the sadness that is human existence. And it's also a cartoon about animals that talk. So <laughs> it's Cued so good. Up. So good. And what network is that? Did you it's, an, it's a Netflix series. Okay. It's I didn't series. say. It's yeah. the Netflix network. It's the Netflix network. Yeah. Sad, what are you watching on TV? Well, on a recent family reunion, I began watching The Olympics, um, which I know that uh, Gabrielle is also watching. And um, it, it, with all the sort of advanced publicity and worry going into this, it was really great seeing it being pulled off uh, by a nation in trouble. One thing that I'm kind of curious, yeah. um, especially uh, your opinion, Gabrielle, is um, all the booing that's going on with the Russians. And I've been watching the BBC angle mm-hmm. on that, and they're talking about how the Olympic whatever committee kind of messed up in how they handled the whole thing. Yeah. If they hadn't sort of planted that, perhaps 90% of the crowd wouldn't be booing these Russian winners. Yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, I mean, I'll tell you. When I was in my 20s, I met... Um, I, I think of this often. I, there was a, I went to college at the Naval Academy, so I went to college with like people who are good athletes, not myself, not present, myself excluded. But um, one of the dudes I went to college with t- became an elite um, track star. He traveled around the world doing uh, the steeplechase or something. And he, um, I w- remember sitting in a bar with him and a group of other people in San Diego. He was not drinking. He was just sitting there being super skinny and fit. And he said, uh, I... 
asked a similar question, like, what do you think about doping? We had a discussion about doping. And he said, everyone does it. Everyone at an elite level does it. It's just the ones who manage to hide it. So I think about that all the time. It's very cynical, but I think it's proven out to be totally true for elite long-distance cycling. Yeah. I, I was at the bike shop getting my bike worked on about a year ago, and one of the guys from Reezer was like, or it was more than a year ago. It was like when doping was a huge deal for when Lance was getting yeah, busted. Lance, and they were they're yeah. like, well, why don't we just have a separate sort of competition? Mm -hmm. Like, I would love to see people blow their hearts up climbing a mountain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like a young, the young hipster angle, you know. But, it, I mean, that's it's an interesting question. But, uh, yeah, I can I, – I see where your cynicism is coming from. I mean, we don't need to get into whether we think American athletes are doing that or yeah. anything. But uh, – uh, to me, uh, having come to this podcast when we were um, we discussed John Ronson's, um, so you've been publicly shamed, oh, yeah. which really dealt with that sort of like yeah. this, yeah. this idea of like this the one that launched it all. The, the people in the crowd, you know, booing and hissing and wanting to blame, yeah. and, but we all sort of enjoyed better living through chemistry. I know that's a terrible analogy because yeah. um, you know this is a question of fairness and what have you, but. It's interesting. Anyway, yeah. just glad to see the see Rio going off well. Me and, too. Um, I, yeah. I said to Luke the other night that uh, one way to end a day, a great way to end the day is to watch, I was being specific, Katie Ledecky just kick ass. Oh, man. It makes me so yeah. happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to end the day every day. <laughs> Chris, what have you been watching these days? Well, I've, I've been watching, uh, like a lot of people, I've been watching Stranger Things, mm. another Netflix show. I know Gabby's been watching it. Mm -hmm. I'm a... Uh, I actually have one more episode to see on purpose. I could have sat down and watched the mm -hmm, whole thing, but mm -hmm. after the first episode, I was like, I'm going to make this last. Delayed it's gratification. So good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's like uh, E.T. meets uh, Goonies meets Freaks and Geeks meets Stephen King. And Alien, then I would say. Alien a little bit, mm -hmm. yeah. And then like turn the weird up a little bit mm -hmm. and the darkness up a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's set in the '80s, mm -hmm. and like the feel of the show is really '80s. The credits, the music they get it is right. all they do. It's they do. Just perfect. It, there's perfect. like it's a little bit of like '80s porn because there's like, like not literally. Yeah, it's there's such a <laughs> in thing many ways. Literally. It's nothing. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. To be many clear, except yeah. for the uh, right. What's the right way to fetishizing? Eight, the eight. Anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll say what I'm saying before trying to categorize it. So. Um, like the camera lingers for a really long time on that like dial-up phone, yeah. you know, with the rotary or yeah. rotary phone, yeah, right? Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> like, did you see that? Remember? No, really. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shag carpet. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah, that's great though. It's yeah. so great. Great acting. Is that Netflix? Mm -hmm. It's Netflix. But it, it, every episode starts with kind of a cold open, like it starts right in the action. And then I was talking to someone else the other day about it, and we were both like, yeah, we just cheer when the opening credits come in. Yeah. Because there's, like, this perfect, like, tiny arc that happens of mm -hmm. action, and then this, like, perfect, pitch-perfect 80s credit sequence with yeah. the synth goes, bow, yeah. and then it start, it's just... It's so, well so good. I gotta watch yeah. that. Yeah. Super yeah. quick question before... No, I'm not, but... um. So with this whole like decade fetishization, because with Ready, Ready Player go. One was Much all about the yes. 80s too. Mm -hmm. Now, is this on like a predictable cycle? Like, is it going to be the 90s next, or is it just bouncing all over the place? I think I he's mean, asking us because we're really old. No, no, yeah. he is. what? I think I'm older than you <laughs> are. He's older than us. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious, like, I, because right. I feel like the, seven, like you, the 70s were several decades. Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to. I just. I feel like. Um, well, first, I think there's kind of a big like. Oh, there's all these packaged '90s artist tours going on right now. I just think nostalgia, sells. in general, is nostalgia big. sells. And I, 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 think, I don't want to go back to the '90s. I no. think um, mm-hmm. Stranger Things, at least specifically speaking to that, works. It would have worked if it was in the '80s. It would work set any other time. It just happens to be set then, and it's set then, and they just kind of do a great job of. Nailing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it brings me back to, to BoJack because um, it's a, it, it is both great acting and '80s nostalgia, also nail biting plot, uh-huh. um, like fast paced but consumable. Like it's a it's just a good show. Uh-huh. But then and then that's again the reason it brings me to BoJack is because I can't say by any means one reason that I like that show because there are ten like totally equal, unique reasons that that I love it. Yeah. So, it's good TV. Um, Speaking of nostalgia, the TV that I watched off this summer was the OJ series. (laughs) Both of them. Um, I spent a day on the couch over the summer watching the documentary series that was on ESPN, ABC, something like that. Yeah. And then there was also the... Yeah, it was a 30 for 30, I think. Yeah, it was a 30 for 30, but it was like 30 days longer. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, several episodes worth worth of it, which was terrific. Very, But but that came after the FX show, which was with um, fairly well-known actors Mm -hmm. playing characters. Cuba Gooding Jr. played Mm -hmm. OJ, and um, Sarah Paulson Mm -hmm. played Marsha Clark, and she was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd highly recommend... Travolta, I like Travolta. Travolta, Bob Shapiro was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I would recommend binging all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does spe- it does take you back to the 90s, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, if there's a pop culture event that situates you in the 90s, uh, it's probably the O.J. Tri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, mm-hmm. I mean, it was right yeah. in the middle of the 90s. and uh, Situates you and puts you at the cash register at the grocery store where it was like everybody was everywhere. divided on it. It was everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And it started um, our reality TV culture. It did. It did. And, the, and I thought both of those um, shows did a good job of, of showcasing that and mm-hmm. explaining that this was, this, was the, this was the event that started all of that. Mm-hmm. So. What I learned from both of those shows is that he was completely guilty. <laughs> There's, there is no, no question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. No question. So, okay, back to the opposite spectrum. <laughs> what are you reading this summer? Anybody? I mean, I'm not really reading. I'm reading The New Yorker. And I which is, which <laughs> is like longer than most books. It is, and I, I joked... You said we weren't going to talk about it, but I, Donald it's Trump... It's all I'm reading. That's what I was going to so, say. So we always read each other. did you happen to read the George Saunders <laughs> yes. piece? George Do you Saunders. remember talking about this? We talked about it. I stopped reading it because I thought it was a George Packer piece. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, this is not George Packer. And then I quit. It was George Saunders. My personal dream is at, to have George Saunders here at the library. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh-huh. he was on Letterman once, and he's he does have a very unique perspective. So I'm curious what you thought of that piece. I was So I actually can't remember. I'm too... I can't remember like the tidbits that came from that article. I just remember that... It was. I Brendan and I talked about it, and I like. I, I remember that I loved it, and th- that's what I was going to say actually about um, the New York. The problem, my problem with the New Yorker right now is that I keep reading Donald Trump articles, and I kind of don't need to read any more of those. I don't. I, but did you catch the one that was a profile of his butler by any chance? No. Oh, no, that no. was actually. It, I started. I found myself like personally gravitating towards Trump and. 
thought, if, this is worrisome. But that's if, it, not if, to, it, if it turns out that we get the most ever listens on this podcast because it's the first one that we've talked about Trump. I'm hashtag, done. I'm hashtag done. real Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, I'm so, d- so I'm what did done. you tell me about this Saunders article? I don't well, remember. Uh, uh, all I remember is loving it. So George Saunders, um, his one of his more recent story collections, Tenth of December, is completely uh, amazing. Yeah, um, and he's just a very versatile writer, and he has a forthcoming, much-awaited novel, the title of which I can't remember right now. It's got a very strange title, and he's a very strange man. Um, I'll look it up. And I'm, I don't even necessarily need to want to talk revisit the article so much as, personally, I gravitate towards these writers who do an amazing vo- job of just capturing real voices, like sort of on the street, and contextualizing them, and he did such a great job of just talking to um, you know Trump's disciples. Uh, I'm deliberately yeah, using that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like and a man. He was a man in the field. He yeah. went out. He went out and hung out with. Yes. Exactly. And right. I mean, and he also that was powerful. He is very empathetic, and or he empathizes with his subjects, um, even if they are on the other side of the line. And, you know, I think that Mm -hmm. is sort of important to the ongoing political and cultural debate in America is that we understand each other, and it sounds corny. Another writer who I love who does a great job of that is John Jeremiah Sullivan, but Mm -hmm. that's a subject for another podcast. Mm -hmm. We should do a Pulphead podcast. Oh, yes. That would be terrific. Yeah. The book is Lincoln in the Bardo. Lincoln and the what's the Bardo? I don't know. It's well, the it's Tibetan afterlife. The bed. The Tibetan. Tibetan. Oh yeah, because he's in. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Interesting. <laughs> I thought it was the bed and after the bedding <laughs> afterlife. Hey. Diary of a book. Ah, uh, right. What books are you reading? Are you what have you been reading? So I'm working my way through, and I don't mean to sound like I'm not enjoying it. The Sport of Kings by <laughs> Walnut Hills graduate C.E. Morgan, who was a New Yorker, uh, 30 under 30, 20 under 20 writer. She published a short story that was um, about, sort of about the North, the North Side 4th of July festival. I believe she actually grew up in North Side. And in that short story, she sort of conflated uh, North Side with Over the Rhine, but it got a lot of buzz nationally. And she's an extremely talented young writer who is more recently in Berea, Kentucky, but also has a degree from, I believe, like Harvard Theological School or something mm-hmm. weird. That, I'm totally getting that wrong. So. Conflating North Side with OTR <clears throat> is like only like a true urbanist Cincinnatian would give a shit yeah. what that even means. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> You're like two and a half yeah. miles apart. What does that mean? He's but like, but that's neither here nor there. Sport of Kings <laughs> is Sport of Kings is about racism. It's about Cincinnati and Kentucky. It's about horse racing and so much more. Um, I have not finished it, so I don't want to officially weigh in on this, but the book has been getting really great reviews and Hopefully, we'll have her at the library. We don't know. Um, and coming maybe to a podcast. And coming, yeah, that would be excellent. To a, to a year two podcast. But consider this book. Seriously, mm. uh, it's it's worth checking out. Excellent. That's awesome. Well, uh, Brendan, I just finished a 500-page <laughs> book about the band The Replacements by nice. Bob Mayer. Um, and it was just fantastic. I mean, if... If you're a fan of the music, you'll like it. If you like good stories, you'll like it. I mean, this is a band that um, one of them said, I think Alex, or not Alex Chilton, uh, Paul Westerberg said that we happened 10 years or five, 10 years later than we should have or five years earlier than we should have. 
because they kind of had that like big rock sound of the of an earlier era that they really like like they like big star and all these big 70s bands but they also had a lot of the like nirvana smashing pumpkins like later when um kind of indie rock went a little bit more mainstream Mm -hmm. Uh, but they just took they had they just took every opportunity to sabotage themselves and to mess up any opportunity that they got but still come across as kind of really likable um, it's just a great book. It's and a great story. All their songs are about, what did you say about? Uh, they tend to be about like uh, losers, the downtrodden people. For, if there's somebody out there who doesn't somehow know the, who the replacements are. Right. Are. Oh, yeah. But, they, they, yeah. So they're, they're mid-80s, um, independent band that got signed to Sire. Uh, I would say a, a, one of their hits, but I don't know. They really had any. I guess Can't Hardly Wait might have been on the radio some. Um but they, every every time they were about to be huge, something would happen. Sometimes their fault. Sometimes they'd get drunk and throw up on the wrong person. Sometimes something way beyond their control would would go wrong. But and it, w- one great thing about it, reading the book, was it made me listen to the the records a lot more. And they're so good. They're so rich. There's like a see. That's three, what I was hoping. I keep trying to break in because I keep imagining you reading the book, mm-hmm. but also listening to their working your way through their entire yes. discog yeah, while you're exactly wearing while you're wearing your enormous headphones that I love to <laughs> make fun of you about. <laughs> they were like just getting lost in your so big. Just, yeah. I mean, obviously because this is a podcast, but um, Chris Messick has the most enormous headphones <laughs> you've ever seen. It, it, in, it's like the year 2000. I mean, like yeah. technology has come a long you, way. And like, I respect you're supposed you to be like embedded in your cheek now. You don't yeah. even need headphones. Well, I have to say, I think like band biography books uh-huh. are fascinating. Yes. They are really well done. Yes. And uh, I mean, I've read a Springsteen bio. I, I crave, if someone can find me, a like the definitive Fleetwood Mac bio, I think that would be awesome. And I don't know that there's a, a book out there about that. But that one. that's one that I would love to read. Yeah. Someone should get on top of that. Someone should get on top of that. I read I read um, a Michael Jackson bio and got but uh, no no I shouldn't say I read. I got through five hundred of the thousand pages of it. What? Holy moly. The guy didn't the guy didn't know where to stop with the <laughs> Michael Jackson story, but what? <laughs> I bet you, Brendan. Um, this summer I read, um, well, the, the most recent thing I read was Dave Egger's new book, Heroes of the Frontier, uh, which, which is about a, a woman and her two kids. Uh, she leaves her husband. She takes her two kids from Ohio, um, from an Ohio city, town, suburb. She was a dentist, and she rents a, uh, um, basically an RV-ish sort of, trailer called the Chateau, and she drives, um, she flies to Alaska, rents the Chateau there, and then drives through Alaska, and it's uh, a story about her. Um, it, f- it feels to me like she's having a nervous breakdown throughout the story, um, and she's doing it with her two kids in an environment that is, you know, kind of the wild and dangerous, and, um, but it, it's, I mean, I, I, Dave Eggers puts pen to paper, and I think it's, I usually think it's great, and he's a great storyteller and a terrific writer. And um, he's uh, the one thing I appreciate uh, appreciate about him is he's prolific. He's got a book out almost every year now, and um, it's a little different model from like the you know 
Franzen or Donna Tartt where I'm going to give you a 600-page novel and it's only going to come out every five years. He's like, I'll give you a 350-pager and I'll put it out every 12 months. And if you don't like it, if you don't like it, that's okay. I'll give you another one in a year. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, he's up to all sorts of interesting things in the literary world, mm-hmm. and I I really appreciate that. So it's it was a nice summer novel. All right, so uh, that's if you've been reading, and since this is a book podcast, and since we're celebrating our year-long um, anniversary of of, uh, of putting out episodes of the 12th story, which we've been delighted to do, we thought we'd take a walk down memory lane and everybody can share their favorite memory from uh, the last year's worth of 12th story podcasts. And if you're listening, you can go back and reference the episodes, listen to some of our old episodes. They're all available online and then look forward to many more to come. So Gabby, kick us off with your favorite from the year. Okay. So I'm actually, I'm going to say also my, I'm going to say one that was a challenge, but it doesn't, it shouldn't discourage you from listening to the discussion about it because I think we actually had a very rich discussion, but Ben Greenberg and I discussed a book called Superintelligence, Paths, Paths, Dangers, and Strategies by this guy named Bostrom, who I had read an article about in The New Yorker. And um, the book was so dense. It was so hard to read, so hard to get through. I find the topic very interesting, but our discussion was tough because the book was so dense. And we had several other participants who shall remain, remain unnamed, and they just dropped like flies because they couldn't oh, read. Oh, during the reading of the book. But yeah, during the reading of the book. And we had to do, I have delayed it several times because of this. It was so dense. It was like the hardest book I've read maybe ever. Um, and uh, it's, it's, so I think the reason I want to mention it, though, is because like, I'd love to talk about AI and superintelligence in a podcast, but that wasn't the right way to do it. So let's try again. <laughs> I, I, I would love to be part of that discussion. Yeah, we got to do um, it diff- a different way. Um, segue, uh, one of my favorite moments was discussing Neuromancer, which took me back to high school and was very much a science fiction novel about artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. specifically two orbital-based... Art- it's, it's a crazy book. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of what I loved about it um, kind of highlights what I find challenging about being a book lover and being the collector here at the library is that, you know, books have, not to be funny about it, such a long shelf life and sometimes become richer with that distance of time. And yet mm-hmm. there are so many great books being cranked out all the time, too. Mm-hmm. Cranked out's not the way to describe it. So, you know, everybody wants to talk about the late, the new, interesting stuff. Right. It can be so satisfying if you can find, especially if you can find people to do it with you to go back and like read earlier stuff. Um, and just real quick, um, I also while Chris was um, enjoying a family vacation, I attempted to engineer one of these podcasts and did not do the same quality job that he did. But I was, I happened to get to do it for uh, our first podcast with some young young men, uh, with Abby Moran, Will, Mary Curran Hackett, and Colm. Uh, they discussed James Patterson's the series, series The Treasure Hunters. Um, but it was really fun to have some kids, you know, speaking their mind about books. Um, I'm going to say my favorite, one of my favorite episodes. I love them all, I have to say. When, when we record something and the after mics everyone, all work, After everyone, you yeah. say the same thing. 
Well, I do yeah, think he that does. at that moment, <laughs> that is my that's the best one we've ever done Such because bullshit. that's the latest one where Such bullshit. everything worked. <laughs> All the microphones worked. I can see I got good levels, you know, and so everyone Guys, that was the best one ever. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, can really? I just br- really, Chris? Can I break in and say I wasn't here for it though, but just hearing about it, um, our forthcoming lecture Alex Bloomberg, Alex Bloomberg hearing that he actually asked you guys so you guys are just holding a microphone <laughs> up to a speaker's phone. It's to me the funniest moment of this the entire life of this I podcast. was both ashamed and proud of that well, moment. Well, you know what? So I was it was really cool to have Alex Bloomberg on the podcast and he's going to be here uh, two days two or three days from when we're recording this. So after this podcast is up, he will have been to the library. But when we started, he said, "Wait, are you guys really just putting a microphone up to a speakerphone?" He's, he owns a podcast company. It was a little bit of a cut, but yeah. I will tell you, I listened to that podcast uh-huh. afterwards, and I listened to his interview that he did on NPR, and I think our sound quality was just as good. <laughs> so Thank I don't know you. what they're doing over at WVXU, but yeah. you know, come on, we did it. We did the, the hard way on purpose, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> the expression goes. Yeah. All right, you're, you wait. You started to say which one was your oh, favorite. I, uh, you're going to reveal a secret here, even though you yeah, said yeah, everyone's yeah. your favorite. Yeah. What was your real favorite? I think my favorite one, because it touches on something I was very interested in, is uh, Amatora. We did the history of Japanese Japanese style, copying American style. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you wouldn't care if you weren't into that kind of thing, but it just was a great story, mm-hmm. great slice of um, Japanese culture, mm-hmm. American culture. It's a really good book, really good discussion. So... Um. That was a very good one because it was. I was one I listened to. I didn't read the book. Um, it was for anybody who's listening who thinks that you have to read the book to listen to the podcast, but it's not true. There was a great discussion there. It was really yeah. fascinating. It's a book that I probably would never pick up and read, and so it was nice just to hear people talk about it. It's uh, you know same sort of thing, same sort of phenomenon as you. Sometimes I read articles in the New York Times book review about a book that I'm never going to read, and you feel like you get a good sense of what's going on out there, and that's one of the you things I like most does about that this really podcast. Well. New Yorker. The New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. Uh, my favorite podcast of the last year was City on Fire. It was yes. episode 24. Um, Chris, you and I, and Jason Barron, who uh, is a, um, a terrific podcaster and um, is hopefully will come back for more uh, in year two. Um, we had a conversation about Garth Risk Hallberg's book, uh, which was enormous, and I think it generated the longest podcast that we ever did, which was clocked in at like 70 some minutes yeah, or something. Yeah, and I cut like 10 minutes out. <laughs> you cut, how dare you? Um, but that was a really he good discussion. half of my super intelligence discussion. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's brutal. Chris. We got to do it again. We got to try it. No, he, it's good. It's good. <laughs> are you yeah, going like to do like an place. outtakes episode? Like uh, bloopers? Um. God, I hope not. <laughs> I think the bloopers most are. Of, most of our, he includes all the bloopers. Yeah, I the, <laughs> the bloopers. The bloopers and the outtakes are outtakes for a very good reason. You know, I have to say, if there was lovely. one book that you needed to read um, to think about the year that we've been through with the Trump phenomenon mm-hmm. and politics and the outrage stuff that's been going on, it's the book that we started yeah, with, that's a great, which was that's a great, great podcast, yeah. the very first one, So You Think You've Been Shamed by John Ronson, which yeah. you mentioned. But really, that book holds so much of the... <laughs> key to the world that we're living in right now. OJ, um, the OJ discussion. Yeah. yeah. If you're interested in John Ronson, on my recent vacation, I listened, we listened to almost all of his BBC. It's not a podcast. It's actually a BBC Two or BBC whatever number radio show. If you're, it, it's great listening. It's all available at johnronson.com. Mm. 
he's he's uh, prolific on Twitter and um, just a really interesting person. And mm-hmm. he weighs in now on these cult, these like outrage events yeah. that happen. Yeah. Um, so that's been really great. Um, I know we have some podcasts coming up. You mentioned Sport of Kings, which we'll hopefully do. Um, Grace, who has been a frequent podcaster during the year, should be very extremely excited about Seven Eves. Seven yeah. Eves, which is uh, will be recorded. I'd say we need. I need some time. Probably yeah. a month and a half at, at <laughs> yeah. the we're, we're all minimum. But <laughs> we're going to do it. Everybody's I'm working on it. If you if you know Chris or Gabby, tweet to them and tell them to hurry up and finish seven. That's years. fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'll t- I'll take this the public shaming. Of uh, hurry up Chris, you're doing you're doing one coming up. Yeah, we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about the replacements book. Um, hopefully, we'll get a couple actual music journalists who are working when they were big. Um, and I've heard a rumor that it may be possible to get the author to call in on that one, too. So Fantastic. that should be a good talk. Podcast is booming. We've had two two authors on the pod so yeah. far, so that's pretty great. A yeah. couple of retweets by authors, right? Yeah, yeah social Good. media. Follow us at uh, Mercantile LIB. Um, I know we're going to do a Bonfire of the Vanities later yes. this year, which sure. is kind of a nice follow-up with the crowd from City on Fire, which yeah. should be a good podcast. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, happy happy anniversary. Happy, happy birthday. Anniversary. Yeah. Happy two. Thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, thank thank you. you for joining us today on The 12th Story. We encourage you to subscribe via your preferred podcast app. We're available on the iTunes Store and on SoundCloud. Stitcher, if you use the Stitcher app. Our friends at Scripps now are part of the Stitcher family. And if you like listening, tell your friends or tweet to us at Mercantile LIB. Uh, this is Brendan Call. Today's podcast was directed and engineered by Chris Messick. We've been joined by Gabrielle Blocher and Cedric Rose. The 12th Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati. Our theme music was created by Doug McDermott. Don't forget to visit us online at mercantillibrary.com where you can learn about our library and our upcoming events. Have a great week. Guys, that was the best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs>